The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode of the Trident Room, Below the Surface, we get to know Trident Room host Michael Gannon. You were trained as an EMT sometime before the Marine Corps. Was that is that correct? No. Or was it during your time as a Marine? That was during my time. I became an EMT when I was uh, attached to the CBER, um, and they they had a partnership with the uh, uh, Waldorf EMS three and Prince George's County uh, PG thirty four Bombardos up in College Park. Um, and we manned and, and ran the, the, the outbreak. And we, we kept Marines there almost, I want to say 24 hours a day, but I don't think it was that much. But I, I want to say like nights and weekends, there was a Marine on shift helping out. We just had really good community relations and the training opportunity and skills that that provides for a Marine. Um, can't be matched. Um, same reason we send corpsmen to emergency rooms and, and doctors to ER clinics and stuff. So do you think more Marines, specifically those that are going to be attached to MUSE, should be trained as EMTs as well? How, how beneficial do you think that would be to the Marine Corps? Um, EMTs, it's a perishable skill set, so you have to you have to think about how it's going to be used and how it's going to be be implemented. Um, as a force multiplier, it's massive, especially in the combat arms uh, within the infantry community. Uh, you know, it, God forbid something happens, you know, you have one corpsman for, you know, a 40, 40 man platoon. You know, every, every bit of medical training could be the difference between life or death for somebody um, in, in training or in combat. What was it that caused you to, I guess, in a sense, wake up and start focusing on school again? Lack of education and lack uh, of completing the things I started put my life, derailed my life in such a manner to a magnitude that I would have not thought possible um, meant that I was not going to allow a lack of education um, especially when the opportunity and availability is there, um, pass me by. Was it an emotional decision to commission? Did you have like a burning desire or were you inspired by anyone or anything in particular to become a Marine Corps officer? You know, it didn't become a super driving passion to commission until after OCS. Really? Yeah. So OCS graduate August 9th, which happens to also be my dad's birthday. Um, get home Sunday morning. It's, it's August 11th. Take the bike out, make it about two, three miles down the road. And I get ran over by a senior citizen at 50 plus miles per hour. Um, he takes a right-hand turn out of the left-hand turn lane across like four lanes of traffic, just short of 495. Um, I 
I side slam the passenger side of his vehicle. Um, the motorcycle and me are somehow attached to his vehicle. He continues to drive and then swerves into a car that's parked at the intersection waiting to take a right-hand turn perpendicular. So we hit a third car. And then at that point, I'm e ejected, thrown from the vehicle and the bike. Like I'm no longer attached. Um, so needless to say, I'm, I'm unconscious uh, at that moment. And uh, the EMTs respond. This is where it gets really rich. Um, so the EMTs from PG, or no, EMS3 respond. Where did I mention that Seaburf sent Marines to be EMTs at? Right there. Yeah, this is the same EMT station that, that I did my ride-alongs at. That, like, I know their lieutenant, Jessica Monday, like, Chief Monday. Uh, you know, at first it was about getting out of the wheelchair. Yeah. Learning, you know, going through the process to walk again. Um, then it was, well, you'll never be able to run or carry weight or do this or you know this stack you know because i spent what, 38 days in the in the hospital and then the next six months with my wife doing the assistant with daily living while working mm. um you know and we're traveling to walter reed 50 miles every day um you know so like it was just the next fight like it's okay, getting mobility back, being able to shower again. Like there was a legitimate time where she didn't think I was gonna live. Then it was, we don't know how bad the brain damage is. We don't know how bad the TBI is. We don't know how bad. We don't know if he's gonna be cognitively functioning. Your husband may be effectively retarded uh, for the rest of his life. Then it was, you know, okay, well, we don't know. His brain's coming back. He's making progress. We don't know if he's going to be able to walk. Um, or, or then it's, okay, we don't know if he's going to stay in the Marine Corps. It was, you know, so it was fighting for the next step. So I do a motorcycle brief. I put together a full motorcycle brief and talk about, you know, resiliency, motorcycle safety, you know, and just the shit the shit show that was my life, navigating mm -hmm. Walter Reed, Hunter Holmes, Fort Belvoir. Like, a, you know, at that point I had like, you know, I've got dental at the Navy Yard. Like I've been at, I'm like at five different, six different hospitals, medical places. Um, you know, but it's like, all right, hey, well, you're gonna brief. You're gonna talk about this. You're gonna, you're still a Marine. You're not broken. You've been broken. You're, you're getting better. You can't do what you used to do as it was. What can you do now? Let's find the new place for you. Tell me about your wife. We, we did our, our wedding ceremony, our big wedding, because we eloped with her parents down in Georgia. Um, and we did that in 2012. So it's been less than six months since our, or it, it's, well, that was September. Uh, it's been less than a year since our our actual ceremony in front of the family and everything else. And now she has potentially a, you know, permanently disabled, handicapped husband, you know, um, in, Walt, 
in Walter Reed, who's been care flighted around multiple times, transported, um, you know, like, and it's a mess. It's an absolute mess because what happened that Friday? I graduated. So what does family do when family graduates from things? They come in and celebrate. Yeah. So everybody's in town. So now it's not just like her husband's past, like in a coma and, mm -hmm. and everything else. It's now she has mom yelling mom in the hospital. Now she has mom's sister or she has the sister. Now she has the step family because they live locally. Now she has stepmom. Now she has dad. And now she has doctors and she's like navigating this myriad of just problems. You know, she's making decisions about, you know, what surgeries, how to do it, how to go about this. Are we ripping out this device and putting in this? Um, we can guarantee this one's going to physically hurt. Mm -hmm. You'll have to clean the pins that go through the muscle tissue into his leg. This will physically hurt him. You will have to be the person to inflict the pain. But if you're willing to go through the pain and you're willing to put in the work and the physical therapy and everything, it'll give you a better recovery and, and you're guaranteed and you could have a miraculous recovery and do really well, or you can keep the titanium rod in there and he was guaranteed to retire. He's done, but he'll be able to walk. So you got to the point where you started walking again. Yeah. And then you started running again. Yeah. Uh, at some point you finished your degree in uh, Naval Science and Operations and military history, is it? Yeah, I took the Naval Science stuff uh, as required for the the NROTC. Okay. Um, which was like, I, if I took one more course, it would have turned into a certificate. Uh, um, so they treated it as like a quasi-minor. Um, and then my major was military history and diplomacy. Um, what on earth attracted you to military history and diplomacy? Uh don't know if you know this. I got hit by a car. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just transferring from University of Maryland, University College, or global campus now, to, to University of Maryland College Park, and then going into the STEM, because I was really originally environmental management and engineering, mm -hmm. and but I did my calc and physics separately and everything else, and I was going to have to redo a bunch of work hmm. and a bunch of heavy math and... Uh, biochem was kicking my butt. Uh, Me too. In yeah. undergrad, I literally switched from pre-med because of that. And I went straight to accounting and I was proud of it. Yeah. You know, um, organic chem wasn't fun. Um, and then uh, the specifics, I forget what the other course was that just made me decide. I'm like, you know what? It's just not. Um, and I've always loved history. I'm just a huge nerd. Um since middle school, Mr. Flom took us to the Renaissance Fair. Really awesome. Um, Shout out to Mr. Flom. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, switch to history because I love it. And I, you know, I could be a, be happy being a high school history teacher. Like, I'd be fine with that. It, it's, it's good. Um, but yeah, so I ran the Marine Corps Marathon that next year, actually. Uh, in 2014, 441 days later. Yeah, it was horrible. It was painful. It sucked. Um, and then I ran it again the next year. 
and then I ran the Richmond Half Marathon, and now I'm up to like 23 marathons, half marathons. I ran the JFK 50 miler because somebody said I couldn't. Uh, it, it's you know, so it became a thing. Um, I'm not gonna be fast, but I can endure. I can put in the work. Um, and that's probably the only, uh, that's, you know, yeah, I don't know. Getting hit by the car was probably the best thing that happened. I wonder if that followed by, I can endure, should be on a t-shirt or on a plaque somewhere. I think, I think other Marines need to hear. Not even other Marines, just people. people. You can endure. Like the human, the human body is the single most frail thing in the world. Like it's 18 inches of acceleration at, you know, rate of gravity, 9.8 meters per second squared is enough to snap the human neck. Mm. It's not like we're talking like five or six kilonewtons, not a lot of energy. Or you can have a 2000 pound Honda fit at 50 plus miles per hour slam into your body and run a marathon the next year. Mm. The human body is incredibly fragile. You know, we can be killed by a virus or or, it, or we can be shot, you know, blown up by a grenade and then run the, you know, run a marathon or, or, or you know, Sergeant Major Castle. Like, horrible things can occur to us and we can endure, you know. Let's talk about reading and studying. Yeah. You're at, we're at uh, the Naval Post Graduate School right now. Yeah. In the Trident Room. Yep. Unofficially. Yeah. Tell me about your journey here to NPS. Did you want to come here? What brought you here? And what do you think you'd be missing if you did not get this opportunity? Yeah, I wanted NPS. I, um, uh, from what I heard about it and from the manpower people and the, the few I've talked to, the program's really unique. It's really uh, applicable. And because we're in an information age and we're becoming so advanced data science-wise and everything else, I I think I'd probably be studying the same thing I'm studying now um, or, or something along those lines to be successful um, within the Marine Corps. You know, um, how it gets applied and leveraged and the ability to think and navigate like I wouldn't have done the big idea exchange because I wouldn't have known about it um, I wouldn't have the availability and access of 3d printers to then build a prototype for a self-contained you know uh, a computer aided a computer aided um, instruction simulator uh, for a radio suite like I those things couldn't happen even if I was doing you know manpower economics at a at Yale, Harvard, right? It doesn't matter. Well, they're not going to let me waste their science or tech department's money on printing things because I feel like it. Like they're just not going to let me do it. NPS goes, hey, you got to go for it. Right? It's not that we're fiscally irresponsible. It's just we, we want to allow ideas and concepts and, 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 and everything to mature and grow. Well, the only reason I had that idea is my roommate from my deployment was a commo. So, like, I know, like, I'm just heard tangentially all the problems that come from that occupation in the field and the costs and expenditures associated to it. The only reason I know about the 3D printing and all the other stuff is because of the, the robo-dojo. So 
I think the 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 outcome, like getting people a degree that can do a task or a skill and have a, we could probably achieve at a lot of different places. The we have enough officers here and have created a uh, a place that has specifically diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of perspective, mm. and then diversity of studies creates the amelioration of ideas and concepts uh, and strengths. So you're a manpower officer. Yeah. What is the take on your strength of the Marine Corps and its capabilities? What are two or maybe three areas that you feel need immediate attention? Um, infrastructure, technology implementation, uh, the tail between the combat arms and the lance corporal uh, in the squad closing the last instance, boots on the ground, physically taking an objective because that's how we take objectives, right? Um, you can take, control, contain, and own ground through boots. Um, we got to reduce the tail. The tail is administrators, right? We have uh, 7,500 some odd administrators in the Marine Corps. We don't need that many. A lot of our work can be automated and a lot of our, I'm talking about my job, I'm talking about my MLS, a, right? A lot of it needs to be automated. Um, the conceptualization of the manpower officer and what S1 does for the CO um, with information and the new data structure coming on and Commandant Burgers guidance, uh, right? And the, the most recent Undersecretary of Defense's guidance uh, on data as a weapon, um, May 5th, I think it was signed, right? Like the information assurance officer, the information management, you know, the, the process manager, the process owner is, right? So everything that comes to the CO, to the command deck, so to speak, goes through a process, some sort of routing process, right? Instead of the paper routing sheets, it should be digital. And that system in a, in of itself, and then that system within the larger scope of the Marine Corps should be 100% digitized, um, at, you know, using cat card, PDF, signatures, right? Like if you don't need to print it and sign it, like we're talking an award, then it doesn't matter. Um, all right, like CEOs have tablets and they're signing on their tablet. Like, let's not print things to print things. Sorry, XOs everywhere. Got it. You're gonna have to to learn to use Adobe or something. It's huge. I I I know they're dying inside <laughs> right now. All of them. So XO requirement is to love everything printed. Um, all right, because we don't need people just doing data entry. We need an MOL app that snaps a photo of your birth certificate that goes and then it gets certified. If I can buy a house and buy a car without going to a bank and secure loans for my windows and mm -hmm. get renovation and do all that through my cell phone and my app and, and, and everything else, then, then I should be able to do majority of my human resources as the Marine. And it should be intuitive and it should be whatever, right? So we decrease the footprint within the S1. Mm -hmm. which now leverages and that frees up Marines to do things that Marines need to do, right? We need Marines to understand combat operations so they fully understand the, you know, the intended plan, the CO's, you know, intent, schema maneuver, if you will, uh, 
during an operations order. So when when he's in the admin and logistics center of the, the COC and he's getting those pause reps, those sit reps, uh, those reports and everything else and accountability from first sergeants and everything, well, the computer can't do that. Computer can't understand the battle space, can't understand what's going on, can't implement the, the COs and then predict and understand like what the numbers should look like in ground movements. You need a Marine to do that. Well, if you have him doing data entry, he's not doing that. He's not being employed to help manage the CO's understanding of the battle space. And he's not being leveraged to, to do something to make the warfighters better. He's doing something a computer can do and probably do better mm-hmm. um, and faster and cheaper. Um, so, so the idea is not we should get rid of administrators because I hate administrators. It's repurposing them. We should get S1, all right, all right, because we're not customer service. We're not, we're not AT and T, and you're 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 calling up and or Sprint or something. We're not doing customer service, all right. Marines don't have an option of where they're going to go, so so it's not like they have a choice. All right, we're we're taking care of Marines, and we're we're enabling the CEO. All right, to to win, to to take the objective, to complete the mission, to secure something. So it's if you think about S one and what it provides as a function for the CEO. Okay, well now you're talking data. Now we're talking analytics. Now we're talking information. Okay, well sir, right? Okay, Haiti earthquake. Sweet, we're on the Mew. Sweet, we just pulled out of port. Hey. Captain Gannon, I need to know how many Marines uh, speak fluent French and what their uh, skills levels are with it. And then give me a force structure and then tell me if we have any Marines who have family within this. And then if that is the case, I need their next of kin locations. I need all of this in the next 20 minutes. Well, right now our current system, Lance Corporal, Lance Corporal, Lance Corporal. Okay, you pull up this platoon and we are manually going through things. Making an Excel spreadsheet, right? And making an Excel spreadsheet, right? Because we all die by Excel and PowerPoint. And then we'll 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 condense a concept down to one slide, because that's a smart idea. Well, right. We the CEO should be going, Adj, I need to know how many people speak French on this ship right now. Mm-hmm. Got it, sir. Morning report. Boom. Check. Sweet. Copy. All those EDIPIs, boom, run through, you know, IBM Cognos, whatever system we're using. Hey, what report metrics do I need to know? Okay, I need to know everybody's, you know, do they know Haitian? Do they know French? Do they know Creole? Do they know all the subsets of French? Are they a native speaker? What's their D-Lab scores? What's their proficiency? Are they self-proclaimed, right? Um, Now, okay, do we have anybody from Haiti? Do we have, okay, where are they from? What are their backgrounds? Do we have anybody with, you know, uh, foreign ties, family, right? Like we should be able to, if you, within minutes, pull that. Now we just enabled the CO to understand what forces he can leverage and capabilities he has, because if we can't cross that language gap, well, how can we help people in this situation? And even to know whether or not on the same MU you have enlisted uh, service members that are trained as foreign area staff and COs. Yeah. Like, you know, that have that language and regional capability. Yeah. Like, it's about enabling the CEO to do his job, which is to win, right? Win battles, win wars, like, and, and leverage the, the capabilities of the battalion. Well, 
I got to scan this, this birth certificate and make sure it's 300 dots per an inch, black and white only. And then, and then you got to rotate it right and then send it to OMPF. Uh, and, and then check in a week if MMRB, why is that not an automated process? Right? Why do I have an Excel tracker for my fitness reports? Uh, officers will write fitness reports. We know that. Why is the, the tracker not just not built into it? Right? Like these, so, so like, let's talk about right, Pat, right? Air Force Institute of Technology, hometown, know a lot about it. Air Force Museum, got it. Sweet. What? Right? Like, like, they're not known for being the premier DOD graduate level education for future development officers. Well, why? Because you're going to send people there for a very specific STEM-focused degree that's going to do a specific widget thing within the Air Force. Well, that makes sense because the Air Force is platform-centric because because planes fly, bombs drop, they need platforms, and F-35 is a billion dollar whatever, um, right? So, like, they're platform-focused and centric and everything else, where Army, Navy, Marine Corps, right? Because, right, like, there's, like, 5,000 pilots in the Navy or in the Air Force or something. Like, it's not a huge percentage. I don't know, but it's not big. Navy, platform-centric, but it takes a lot of people to do it. It takes a massive amounts of people. Okay, Army, okay, we need platforms, we need tanks, we need, we need air carriers, we need these things. So we need platforms to employ for combat, but, you know, they're 400,000 with a fairly large reserve element. They're manpower-centric. Like, we, okay, how does human system integration, how does system operations, how does this affect the warfighter? How does the psychology of of the EMFP, exceptional family, mil, exceptional military family, whatever program, exceptional military family member program, all right? Yeah. How does that affect retention for dual military spouses? You know, like okay, sweet. It, like you, you need all those things. Okay. Well, who's going to be your acquisitions people? That, like, that have enough STEM understanding to then manage, I don't know, a $10 billion JEDI program to actually communicate the requirements for the DOD to understand it. I'm guessing there's lots of scientific and smart advisors on that. I'm guessing there's lots of really smart acquisitions people on that. I don't know how many acquisitions people have like doctorates in like moves in modeling and and virtual environments and everything. But I, I know an army major who's here, who who's a professional acquisitions procurement officer who was then artillery before that, who's now getting her PhD in, in, in computer science in, in the moves department and everything. Okay. So when she needs to manage the acquisitions of a high-end technical computer product to manage, I don't know, the half a million people that are the Army's um, virtual learning environment for blended and hybrid um, educational um, systems that's also tied into their talent management data acquisition systems for performance metrics and, and returns that then goes into their 
uh, you know, bonus and pay system and everything. Okay, that's probably a really huge and important thing that we have this multi-interdisciplinary person. Um, and ironically, like, so, so I'm actually going to advocate. So I think the Department of the Navy um, has it wrong with cutting into the business. And, and I understand why, I, uh, right? Like civilian executive, right? I think there's aspects that probably need to be trimmed, right? And I can agree. And there's probably, you know, professors and, and staffs and aspects and courses and, and everything in every program that can probably be tweaked, right? For efficiencies and optimization, right? Course and curriculum review, which is really interesting because we don't have a place that teaches education education modality, learning modalities, uh, and methodologies and systems for the DoD. So we have an industrial era manpower system. We have an industrial era educational system. We have an industrial era information or training system and pipeline and a session pipeline. And we're trying to convert everybody that knows industrial era systems of systems into a 21st century learning environment and system. Okay. Who is our, where are these professional people that have studied the pedagogy, the pedagogical and modalities and methodologies of study and education and cognitive learning, cognitive sciences, who've studied leveraging data to predict student outcomes, to do this, to then create better feedback loops within the educational systems so we can optimize schoolhouses and performance and everything else. It doesn't exist. Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. For more information about today's guests and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash Trident Room Podcast.